This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Bridge to You podcast, hosted by yours truly, Monique Russell, where we focus on diversity, inclusion, and understanding for Black cultures through conversations that help us connect to ourselves and each other. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bridge to You. Oh my goodness, today I have someone who is a special, special guest. He is a repeat guest, and you know, we only bring back the really, really most requested guests for the show. Today, we have none other than who is a global speaker, a UN consultant. He is a speaking mentor, the CEO and founder of Game Changers all around the world, and a very dear friend. Please welcome the Dave Crane to the show. Thank you so much. Monique, it's a pleasure to be here. And I love watching your videos and listening to your podcasts and seeing all your stuff on social. You are a rock star and I'm very proud of you and I'm honored to be on this show. And and I was wondering, first of all, is it because I'm cheap that I'm coming back again? But no, I think it's genuine. You want me here because I'm actually maybe nice. You are nice. And let me tell you, one of the things that I love so much about you, Dave Crane, and I know the audience is going to enjoy is that you keep it real. You tell it straight. You let the things come out that so many people are thinking. And this show is all about that. So I'm not even going to get into the normal question that I ask about where would you choose to be around the world? I just want to go straight to the meet, Dave. You're someone that looks at the big picture. You analyze media and culture. You started this Game Changers program. So tell me, what has changed? How has the game changed in the speaking world in the last three years? Honestly, I'm not able to speak for the speaking world because I think the speaking world took such a nosedive of the pandemic that people are still clutching at straws and trying to stay relevant. And I think that what you've got is the old guard trying to say, hey, baby, I'm back. And everyone's going, so what? And you've got a new guard who are terrible who are coming in and saying, please give me a chance to speak. What are you going to speak about? I don't know. I just like the idea of a microphone. And then you've got audiences that aren't guaranteed to turn up. So like, for instance, in Dubai, we never really embraced lockdown. We, we have social distancing and masks even now uh, at the time of recording this. But also we only took about five, six weeks of lockdown. And so business has been going all this time, but saying that events aren't as packed as they could be, some are and some are challenging. 
because price is, is a big thing. People are wondering whether they're going to spend that money to be near each other and so on. And so it has been a bit slow to get back. I think now things are back to normal. The summer's quite busy and then it's looking crazy for later on. But for the speaking world, I found it's brought a lot of, um, of BS people out of the woodwork who are talking about subjects that they think people will be interested in, which clearly are not. But what I find fascinating, I know that we're going to touch on this later on, is digitization, automation, blockchain, fintech, metaverse, uh, and all this stuff is really, really exciting. And it's fascinating to see how many people come up and talk about it. I host a lot of these events, and I speak at a lot of these events, and most of the speakers are awful. Now, in the old world, CEOs were awful. They would only go out and talk about I mean, their company and how great they were, and People would clap because they're only used to people clapping like they pay to clap their own staff. And so when you get an average one of them on a normal platform and they go, oh, yes, we're great, we're fantastic, and I'm, it's all down to me, and people just stare at them going, really? Can you just stop? So the same is true with many people in the digital world. Uh, and I think that the best speakers will find their space again. But I think that they'll find out the space and the business model has evolved incredibly since then. Before, I did two things. I would speak and host um, and train people. So that was it. But nowadays, speaking is still more important, even probably more important than before. But you have to do it in a certain way. Because right now, we're talking on, on a conference call on Zoom. And that has to be a thing. You've got to be capable of turning around and doing stuff on this platform. And most people don't. I mean, you've got a lovely backdrop there. You've got your picture and you've got all the rest of the stuff. So adding this kind of tech should be normal most people don't most people i interview or or i talk to i've got these horrible zoom backgrounds rather so their head goes back and their half their head goes missing or they think because they're used to having a light behind them that shines on their screen that's a great way to go to zoom but of course they're in shadow so you only see bits of their face if their face at all so it looks like they're being interviewed by interpol or something so as far as the speaking world has gone, I think it's still in flux. I think it's the Wild West out there. And I would urge every speaker to start thinking about different metrics for what works. Obviously, during social media time uh, and the pandemic, that was important to get there. But I know lots of people. I've got lots of clients in my industry icon program who have got millions of followers. I mean, actually millions. In fact, one of my friends has got 4 million followers on LinkedIn and so on. These are really big hitters, and they know what they want to do with it. But I know people as well who've got like half a million followers, and they post fluffy pictures of cats stuck up trees or dogs that walk on their hind legs. But this is not what gets you an audience that's going to buy your stuff. It just gets you vanity metrics. So nobody's going to come and see you speak unless you're going to do a presentation all about dogs that walk on hind legs and stuff like that. So the long and short answer, and clearly it's a very long answer, is the speaking world is a bit of a mess right now, but it will get better because I think that um, there's more demand for face-to-face -face than there's ever been before. And there's also more demand for doing stuff online than there's ever been before. So you need to be able to do the hybrid and then you can be very successful and build your brand as you do it. That's awesome. So I am capturing the, the areas of the pricing. Pricing has changed the whole aspect of getting people to come to fill up that live event. I love that you talked about how adding tech should be normal because that's something that I think a lot of people struggle with as business owners, as even speaking professionals. And 
you know, this whole aspect of the metaverse, I know that you have plugged and played and delivered and spoken at several events in the metaverse. What should we know about this that we don't? Um, I think the metaverse is kind of like a bit made up, to be honest with you. Here's the thing about the metaverse. So this is me doing a gig in the metaverse um, about two years ago, working for Dell. And there's an avatar of me, which, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't look like that anymore. I mean, that's me on camera. But the, there's me on, on an avatar that looks a bit like Lara Croft from Tomb Raider. The technology has got much better for this, for the metaverse, um, in many cases. In other cases, it hasn't. But I think that the metaverse is kind of like, it's wishful thinking. Because the real world is not end up just being like that. The real world is, in my opinion, is going to be all about augmented reality, a combination of the real world and also, so you meet somebody, for instance, and their their LinkedIn profile will pop up and their, their latest post and how many followers they have and their connections and what you've got in common. And that'll just be in front of you and you look around at somebody else and in the crowd you will know who you know and who you don't know. And you'll also find their profile stuff will tell you what you should know about them. That's the integrated world that makes sense because it goes from what you surf for uh, on Google to find out about somebody. It will become part of normal world. Now, will people want to immerse themselves into this strange world where you start doing all the sort of stuff that, that, that Facebook's talking about? I'm not completely convinced because I think that people are still too held on to what they enjoy right now unless it can integrate with it. I don't like the fact that most of the gaming stuff, which I think is at the really hard end of, of what, 2.8 billion gamers. So during a pandemic, most of them didn't notice that there was a pandemic because they're only used to having pizza shoved under their door while they're sat on Twitch playing um, Fortnite. So for most of them, um, they've been playing in that world and they love it. But the fact that it's run by gamers is problematic because these are people who like to do shooting gunny stuff. And because that brings in money, that does not grow a really good way for us to interact with other people. Mm. I think it highlights the people who have been doing the shootings, uh, terrible, tragic shootings that we hear about in schools and, and supermarkets. They are of the generation that express themselves through shooting gunner games. So for the metaverse, I'd like to, first of all, say in tech, we need to have more women in tech, more women at the top end of tech who are sharing ideas. And so if you've got all this technology, you can put it into a game where you shoot people, or you can put it into a game where you connect and reach out and make friends with people and do amazing things. For me, that's where the world should be going. When it does, it'll be embraced better. Because when you look at the likes of Zuckerberg and, and, and Elon Musk uh, and, and, and other big hitters like that, and Jeff Bezos, for instance, these guys have these incredible companies that are as big as countries and their money is as big as a country makes and they've got nobody electing them in or electing them out. So they have to give something back. Now, some do and some don't, mm -hmm. but I think until they do, everybody won't buy into it because everyone's thinking, what's in it for me? And right now, in most cases, nothing. So the tech will grow and I think the way it will be will not be to put on 3D glasses and walk around like you're in like Robocop. I think it's going to have to be something that's like 2D. So, for instance, when you play something like Fortnite, then you've got a much better situation for many people because you can be on your laptop 
and it's a 3D game that you're just enjoying from uh, the space in front of you. It all moves around. You can move around in the game. You don't have to be immersed in it. So I'm fascinated to see how it's going to tap in. Um, I would like to be in a, in a virtual office, but I'm not sure who I'd want to be inviting in to be with me. I think we're going to end up in situations like this, where you've got Travis Scott, for instance, doing a big concert in the Fortnite metaverse. So this is a great example about how 40,000 people can jump in, get their, their um, characters to dance, uh, and enjoy uh, an incredible artist doing his stuff. I mean, and people are getting into this. So you've got Ariana Grande here, for instance, who's doing a similar thing in Fortnite, funnily enough. But when people say to me, oh, but it's only a matter of time till it gets taken on. Now, you're very young, Monique, I know that, but I'm really old. And so I remember a game called Doom many years ago. And Doom was a metaverse. Oh, sorry. There's only one metaverse. There's lots of virtual worlds. So this is a virtual world in Fortnite. So Doom was a game that was very basic. It looked like Minecraft with a gun. And so you went around, and I played that 30 years ago. Many people did, and that evolved into kind of where we are right now. But Second Life, for instance, is a game that's been around for maybe 10 years, and it's a completely immersive world to live in. You pay for property, you pay to own a road, and, and there's loads of people who live in that world, but it certainly hasn't got on everyone's radar, and most of us couldn't be bothered to go into Second Life. So with what Zuckerberg's doing, um, with the idea that you're going to want to be in an office and there's like a, a Nintendo Wii-style version of you with a big head and all the rest of it because he's been ripped into by people saying, I don't like your avatar, and nobody wants to have their avatar that doesn't look like them. But I'd rather have my avatar just look younger and cooler, maybe a bit more Bob Marley than me or something like that. So it's in its early stages. We just have to see who pioneers it because I'm probably in about 20 different WhatsApp groups for crypto and fintech and NFTs and all the rest of it. And everybody's shouting at everybody else, buy my stuff. They're not listening to anybody else. It's buy my stuff. Have you got money? And these things keep crashing. So it needs to settle down and stop being silly. And then we might find some actual way of doing it properly. That's my thoughts. I love it. I love it so much. Um, and the thing that it's jumping out very strongly at me is the need for connection, the whole aspect of connecting the interpersonal communication. You know, this is something that I absolutely love helping people to develop. And I think that after the pandemic, it has become much more difficult because the gaps in connection have been more exposed. And then the whole aspect of grief and burnout and stress on top of the difficulties in connecting with others just made it much more difficult for people to manage. So my, my question to you is around this aspect of connection. It's around this aspect of grief and loss and um, difficulty really being in that space, whether it's virtual or physical with others. I know that you've experienced some of the loss as well, um, especially losing your father. May his soul rest in peace. And I want to ask you, like, what are some things that you now realize in this um, aspect of connection? Well, I Zoom my mum almost every evening without fail. I was chatting to her before I chat to you, sometimes for 10 minutes, sometimes for an hour and a half, because I've got to do all the tech stuff, all the banking, everything. And she's in her 80s and uh, she hates the internet. I told you, oh, the father, but the internet was a bad thing. And I'm saying, mom, we're on Zoom. We're on the internet now. Yeah, well, certain bits are okay and certain bits. 
please stop. Here's the thing. I think that um, there's, a, there's a lot of broken and damaged and hurt people out there. I, I am self-medicating myself, taking Saturdays off to spend a day doing nothing so I don't go through the burnout that I experienced during the pandemic and be a, a virtual lockdown that we all went through. Certainly if your industry folded like ours did um, for a year and a half, then you're still kind of recovering and recuperating from it. I think tech has to be embraced so it becomes part of what you want it to be, not that you let it take over your life. So, for instance, my daughter goes to her at school, real school, still wear masks. She's uh, So Maya's like 11, she's 12 next week, uh, and I know what she wants for her, Chris, for her birthday and her Christmas, because she tells me often enough, and it will be gadget-related. Don't tell her it's worth that, but anyway. So they go out there, and they, they interact, and they do what kids do at school. That's fine. But then they come home and she's right now next door talking to four of her friends on Zoom while gaming at the same time. Now, when I used to leave school before, unless we went out to play, you know, to play football down the park or whatever it was doing, you don't see anybody. You sit there watching the, the limited TV channels until eventually you get bored or you get kicked off to bed or whatever it would be. So we're in a much more connected world, which I think we have to embrace what it gives to us. You and I are talking now from different parts of the planet. I've had about five or six meetings today with different parts of the planet. We would never, ever be able to do that. In fact, you and I would never have been friends if it hadn't been for what the internet has given us, because I know that you wouldn't be seen dead talking to me in an old world. But with this, we connected and we got to really become super good friends. And I think that the way to look at it is how it works for you. For instance, we're now starting to work out, thank goodness, that people are fascinated by humor, that makes people laugh and makes posts become um, viral, and anger. Anger and humor make viral posts. People make listen, watching a post that makes them feel nice or warm inside, doesn't go viral, they just look at it and then carry on with their day. If you really wanna get angry, then there's plenty of posts out there, so the algorithms play to that. And Zuckerberg and all the rest of them are just as guilty, even though some of them say they're starting to address it right now. We'll wait to see. And so there's been a lot of change in the political scene around the world as a direct result of anger being the center point of most people's thoughts and conversations to the point where it's almost a norm now for you to not talk politics with certain people because you're going to get angry. The same people that used to be involved in that, you'd never even talk to them normally. So connection has meant that if you can go out there and say horrible things, you can spread faster to other people who want to say horrible things. A classic example, a guy called Andrew Tate recently. Andrew Tate was a, um, an influencer who spread hate and misogyny, talked about beating girlfriends up and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, and eventually all the platforms kicked him off. He was also responsible for having a membership site charging $40 a month with 104,000 subscribers worldwide young men watching his stuff going yeah 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 because when you're at that age you know 14 years old and above you hate everybody that doesn't buy into you because you've got spots and girls don't like you so anybody who talks about this kind of stuff and he looks like he's good he's a kickboxer we're going to think about that so there is a market for anything that's loud and scary out there somewhere along the line as grown-ups in the world we have to turn around and go back to our values and say that's not good for people and maybe you tell people once at a time, 
time, or maybe you do it by creating communities and memberships. I've got my own group, for instance, uh, the, the Game Changers. And with the Game Changers, it's built around getting a community of people who want to grow who they are, become the best in their industry, and help each other. So we've got a, um, a relatively small but very connected group of people all around the world who I'm training to be successful at what they do. These guys, uh, we meet once a month, but we're in a Telegram group as well. And I share lots of insights all about all the things that we need to know to be successful. Many of them multimillionaires. One of, the, one of my clients, for instance, my industry icon, who's also in Game Changers, every other week, somebody offers him a million-dollar contract. He works in construction to come and build some incredible building. We'll give you a year uh, for a million dollars. Will you take it? And he doesn't. he's not interested in that um, because of the fact that his family and other things are more important. His free time is more important. So it's people who are really on the right path. They understand family. They understand love. They understand the way it should be. And so I'm building my own little community step by step of people who I would want to put onto Noah's Ark if Noah had an Ark or if Noah existed or any of that stuff. And so um, I think we all have to start looking at community. But the beautiful thing about building a community like this is they're all around the world. So you don't have to be looking at just people that you bump into down the coffee shop. You can have anybody anywhere. And uh, I think it's down to the grown-ups amongst us to start doing that. You know what? So... What I heard here, especially around this anger, anger as a focal point is very interesting because it feels like a volcanic eruption where the anger has taken center stage and it's been rewarded. It's always been rewarded, but it seems to um, have become much more rewarded. And I like that you talk about embracing technology and using it. You know, you even mentioned that you know, the aspect of helping the, our parents who are maturing. I think a lot of us are we facing all are. that. We all are facing that. And we're going to get there sometime soon too in the future. So we have to make sure that we think about, think ahead and think about that as well. That's another aspect, a whole different topic around connection um, for our parents that are maturing. Um, but what I really want to touch on, too, is that even though we are embracing technology and we're all around the world and, you know, this show really focuses on connection and understanding among Black cultures worldwide, when we're connected globally, I don't think that it is just the aspect of connection that allows us to have empathy um, and understanding for each other. I see a lot of cultural insensitivity and cultural gaffes um, and people feel like just because we're connected oh, with somebody in the UK or somebody in Slovenia or someone in Morocco, like I'm global. Can you please share your very candid thoughts on Are you sure you're always, it's like, Dave, here, drink 10 Red Bulls and explode, please, on the microphone. <laughs> if that's it's it's a very difficult area to 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 jump into because I didn't think in my lifetime I would have to turn around to people and say, stop being racist. Women are equal. Um and and things that the world should be doing properly. Somebody from a different country or a different nationality has as much legitimacy to be on the planet as you have. Enjoy your life, be nice to everybody else, and then we all collectively go. I was hoping the pandemic would make people wake up and make 
people better, but it hasn't done. No. It's made them, if anything, probably more crappy and more tribal. What's the solution? What is what is the solution here? Especially, you know, think about someone that's in your community who, who faces this problem. Not someone who's like in denial, but someone who faces this problem and really needs guidance on how to make themselves better. No, here's the thing, right? Here's what I think. Funnily enough, you caught me, uh, I'm doing a presentation on this. I've got two presentations on this weekend and they're both virtual and they're both for the life coaching, NLP, uh, mentoring therapist communities, completely different events. I thought they're related or not. And so they've asked me to talk about how to brand yourself to all the life coaches out there. And so this is it. Literally, I'm doing this presentation as we talk about it. So here's the way I see it. During the pandemic, lots of people got badly scarred, badly damaged emotionally and uh, and physically uh, and, and mentally by the pandemic and being locked in and losing your job and losing your loved ones and so on. We actually have a solution. The solution is the amount of life coaches on the planet are almost like uh, an army of doctors waiting to come out as reservists. Now, here's the problem that we've got with these guys. They're rubbish at marketing themselves. And nobody wants to pay for happy, or at least they didn't want to pay to be happy before the pandemic. But now being unhappy um, really does affect almost everything you do. Before you could take a job and happily be there, but we've got the great resignation, which has led to the quiet um, quitting. And people are just turning around now and saying, I just don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to work here anymore. And I did a little survey of this on LinkedIn recently. I said, how many people would rather work at home or go back to work or be digital nomads? About 49% said that they're working from home now and they're happy to do that. So what we've got is a load of people who now need to find the, the water cooler conversations and the motivation of chatting about, you see, Game of Thrones or whatever people have been watching, you know, Sandman or whatever it is. They have to now find that somewhere else. Most people don't know how to motivate themselves. They really don't. And so you're going to end up with a, a planet of which at least 49% of people are going to be lonely or lonelier than they were before. Now, that doesn't mean that you are, being at home isn't going to make you happy. I love being at home with my family, my dogs, and so on. But there's a lot to be said for also bumping into strangers or work colleagues and just having a laugh and, and, and burning through conversations that keep you inspired. So my idea, and this is what I'm going to be sharing this weekend, is why don't we get all the life coaches to brand themselves properly because they're rubbish at it. And the system for life coaching is, is such a scam. We will give you a qualification to be a life coach. If you pay for us and we'll give we'll train you up and we'll, we'll not let you be certified until you've gone through it. And may do a hundred hours for free just to prove you're any good at it. After a hundred hours, you, you can then start earning money. Please, what? So you've done a hundred hours, which means that most people know that they can get life coaches for free because all you need is a new one. And then at the end of it, when you turn around and you've done stuff for free and say, now can you pay? The answer is no. None of those clients that you burned through, which are your initial ones, are they going to pay because you probably sorted them out in the first place. So we've got a massive problem of how do we get life coaches out to the many people who need them? And my answer is actually quite simple. So here's what I believe. I believe that all the life coaches have to build up their brand and then they connect with the doctors in surgeries, doctors and pharmacies, because pharmacists should have realized it, but they haven't realized that they're qualified like doctors and if they have a spare room in their pharmacy, they can actually do a lot of work in there. As a doctor, or as a mini-me doctor, 
and take the pressure off real doctors because they are usually doctor somebody that they just decide to open a pharmacy shop instead and it takes the pressure off doctors but what the pharmacists should have access to and the doctors should have access to is mental and emotional health care which means that we should have a speed dial of all the life coaches so life coaches should market themselves to them whoever's making all the laws on the planet should turn around and say yeah that's a good idea they're like mini me's on the doctors so when you go to see a doctor typically you're there for about two minutes you're queuing for but you sat in the waiting room for about 15 to 20 minutes then you go in and you get two minutes say doctor i'm feeling really sick <laughs> and so okay stick your tongue up there i'm gonna stick that thing in your mouth what is it like a big spoon and all that stuff and then they grab your arm and go mm, 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 mm. And bit, like that maybe i just got a bad doctor and <laughs> Then they say, right, okay. So then they write out a prescription. And if you could read their writing, it would say, I don't know what's wrong with them. Can you give them something that's just going to take their mind off it for seven days? And if it's still there, they can come back and I'll think about it again. Now, not every doctor does that. And every doctor is trained to be able to do stuff properly as well. But that's a scam that's in a lot of medicine. It's just a thing. 50% of people can be fixed with a placebo, which is that if you give them Tic Tacs or you give them like polo mints, and they take them three times a day, they will feel better after a, after a week and their illness will probably go away. So your brain will fix it because you think I'm being fixed. So what we need to do is we need to get the life coaches on the speed dial of doctors. So a doctor gets somebody comes in and rather than having to give them a load of depression pills, so sorry, pharmacy industry, which is making more money than anybody, you have to turn around and say, you know what? I recommend that you go and see this uh, life coach here who's going to do a free session for you but then you can carry on and maybe you have something in subsidy or if you've got health care, then the doctor gets some commission from it for sending somebody there. But it means that you're actually getting the doctor helping you for the 12 hours or so you have a life coach because they're kind of overseeing the paperwork. And it means that you've got this mental and emotional health problem being solved. I like this solution. So this solution is definitely one that I can appreciate, especially being in the industry as well, because I do know that coaching is one of the fastest ways that you can maximize your personal and professional um, development. And at the same time, I definitely have to say, you know, there are a lot of rubbish coaches out there. And so there is a catch 22. A lot of rubbish doctors and a lot of rubbish medicine out there. Yes. And so the disclaimer or the uh, warning label is to use discretion and to use caution because there are a lot of people, doctors, therapists that are out there that are causing more harm than good. But in the grand scheme of things, I do appreciate this solution because I feel it is definitely the answer. So before I begin to close, I have one final question for you. You know, you have expanded your territory into Africa, and I was very excited to see that and curious to know why. Why have you expanded your territory into Africa? Um, I think in the next 20 to 25 years, Africa will be a superpower. It's not right now. It's still kind of all over the place. It's got potential. And uh, when Africa said to everybody, come and help me, Stupid countries like the UK and America, not knocking them too much, but quite a bit when it came to Africa, turned around and said, right, we can't invest money in you because we don't know if we're going to get the money back. So we're not going to do it. So then China said, what, you've got a whole continent everyone's ignoring, who've got all this gold and diamonds and oil and, and, and people? 
well, can we have it? And everyone went, yeah. So the China went over and invested lots and lots in different parts of, of Africa, dealt with China differently. Some people said, right, you come here, you've got to train our, our, our countrymen to then take the jobs. And some people said, give me a check and you can have my country. I don't care. So there's different bits of it. It's going to take a while to sort it out. And it's going to take a while before all the different people play together. That's not a given, but they'll do it collectively if they can see a reason to want to play together. Now, the reason I bring it up like this is because there's massive interest from the fintech world, the blockchain world, and so on to get there. Because what you've got is you've got a mass exodus um, of educated people who have had enough of, say, racism in their own country, and they're going back to their roots. Even if they don't have roots in Africa, they're just going, look, at least they won't get stared at or shot by policemen or any of that stuff by going to Africa. I'm not just saying it's only black people. There's loads of people who just go, so we've got a whole continent that we can start playing with, and there are very few rules, and we've got loads of money. And what you've got is a massive young generation in Africa who are very well educated, who are developing apps and software and websites and, and, and so on. And it's kind of like unspoiled country because it is so fresh. So my interest in it is, I, I mean, here's the thing. This is one of the reasons I'm so fascinated about doing what I do with the industry icon program and the game changes. Here's my secret formula, which I've told you before. Uh, and for everybody else, it's the first time that they're going to hear it. During the gold rush, most people didn't make any money from the gold. They just didn't because you go to a stream and you go, like trying to get little, I've got a nugget, I've got a nugget. Oh, just been shot in the face. Oh, somebody's got my nugget. So that's kind of what was going on. The only people that made the money was the people selling the pans and the nets to the gold rush people. You didn't make money from being in the gold rush, made money from selling the materials that people needed to go off and buy the gold. So therefore, with the things that are happening in Africa and the things that I do is I help people to get branded. I help people to become speakers. I help them to position themselves so the whole world says, I want to work with you. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And that's why when I look at Africa and I see all the opportunities and the amazing people and the things that are happening over there, and it's not just Africa. Right now in the tech space, digital space, most speakers are terrible, really, really bad. And if they can get their act together and brand themselves properly, then they can make millions and millions more dollars because they're not just saying, let me send you a PDF, and then go, Fingers crossed, I might get some money. They're actually able to present. And if you become a character that people know, like, trust, and buy into, then it becomes a lot easier to be able to sell your stuff and get people to follow you. So Africa fascinates me because I think there's huge opportunities. I also think that it's a turning point that'll make a huge difference for many people of color like us around the world. But I'm under no illusion that if I go to Africa, that I'm not going to get off a plane and people are going to say, oh, brother, welcome back. I'm a Brit. I know this. I went to the West Indies to see my mom's family many years ago when I was in my early 20s. And I arrived, I was thinking, look, all my family are going to say, hooray. And everyone just said, you're British. Went, no, I'm, 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 I'm half you. Yeah, the half we don't like. So I think what you have to do is you have to see it as an opportunity, the same as you see everywhere else. I'm, I'm in lots of forums from Africa. I've met some amazing people. And I think that it's the one to watch. If you want to be a big hitter, and invest in it. The most ideal analogy is that Tom Cruise movie, Far and Away. So Tom Cruise is on a horse with a flag, a white flag, and he's galloping like everybody else to try and get a plot of land to stick his flag into the land and say, this is my land. And he's brilliant in that movie, like he's with every movie, he's a genius, I love him. 
So that's kind of what I see is happening in Africa. I think there's an opportunity to do stuff with Africans, but I think it's going to be interesting to see how that develops because one of the things that all these, like Tom Cruise's movie, and it's not disrespect to him, um, the big mistake that many people think, and the made up mistake with Dubai, and I've watched people crash and burn with Dubai, is you say, right, I'm going to take my Western mentality or whatever mentality, I'm going to go over and show you people how to do it. Wrong. We have our own way of doing it. If you want to do it here, what you've got to do is do it the way that we do it and we'll embrace it if it works. So you have to buy into it with an African mindset to be able to get the right value. If you bring value because you've been doing it in the West for like 30 years, then that value of the experience will work. But you've got to do it in a way that it's going to work in Africa and not just say do it my way. Otherwise, it ain't going to be, it's going to be a waste of time for everybody and you walk away disappointed. Precisely, precisely. Oh, wow. I'm going to agree with me. You agree with me or do you think I'm talking pants? I agree with you. And it touches right on the conversation we had in terms of connection and understanding of other cultures, not just because you have the technology, you are global, you're not. Um, if you don't know how to engage, if you don't know how to connect with people in their culture, cultural norms, you won't get the business. If you don't know how to present yourself, you will not get the business. You won't be embraced and you won't have that success. So I before definitely finish, agree with that. Before you finish, let me give you a little example. Alexander the Great, when he conquered the world at the age of 30, one of the things he did when he took over countries and took over cities is, first of all, he called a lot of them Alexandria for good reason, because he probably couldn't remember how many names to give them. So he called them Alexandria. But the second thing he'd do is he turned around and said, right, the way this is going to work is you already have leaders who know how to run the country. If you all take the knee, as I say in Game of Thrones, to me, you can still have your own country. It's just that you, you do it in my name. And I want to get some stuff out of it. But otherwise, you're on your country with my flag there and your flag, whatever it's going to be. And it's super smart. That's the way to do it. And when you look at the right way to do it in business, that's exactly what McDonald's have done, for instance. McDonald's, whenever you go to McDonald's in any country, then you'll find on the menu a special dish that's made for that country specifically. So when you go to Asia, you've got a rice dish. When you go to um, so Middle East or Dubai, you've got a kebab, stale-related dish. They've worked out that you can't just say, take my stuff. You've got to say, take my stuff, but make it your own as well. And I think that that's the right mindset. Alexander the Great said, said those lessons for us to embrace when we start moving around the world and doing stuff like in Africa and so on. Sorry, back to you. I just thought I'd share. Yes, 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 yes. Perfect analogy and great example of why you need to make sure that you have localization as something that is included in your plan before you jump into another culture. So like I told you, you were going to get some great information from the game changer himself, Dave Crane. Dave, what I heard from you today was really talking about how things have changed, the importance of embracing technology. We really can't run away from it, but it's really how we choose to use that technology. The metaverse, maybe we need to see what's going to happen in a little bit, but it's important for us, what I'm taking from this conversation, to be aware of trends, to stay um, on top of things that are changing because it may be time to solve a new problem. 
stay on top of how things are moving, you know, expand into new territories. But as you are expanding, make sure that you're thinking about that culture first of where you're trying to land into. Don't just go on in and think that you have all the answers. And finally, and most importantly, the importance of branding, branding yourself in a proper way so that you can connect with those who are looking for what you have to offer. Dave Crane, I want to thank you so much for being a wonderful guest on the show. And if anyone wants to find out where to contact you, what's the best place to send them to? Um, first of all, find me on LinkedIn. So under Dave Crane Dubai, find me on LinkedIn. It's easier to interact and get all my free stuff there. If you want to be specifically helped by me, then go to theindustryicon.com and uh, that will show you exactly what it is I do when I do my personal mentoring and helping people to become the best in their industry. But meanwhile, if you just want to be able to speak and brand and do various things, and you're just kind of shopping around, go to speakonstage.com and you'll find all the things I offer to the world. And that's where I would start. So, uh, and, and if you don't believe me, Google me and you'll suddenly see everything in there. But don't put David Crane in because that's the guy who wrote Friends and he doesn't look like me and he gets far too much of my press. Wonderful. Thank you once again for listening to The Bridge to You. Thanks for listening to The Bridge to You podcast. Visit clairecommunicationsolutions.com or connect with me on LinkedIn, Monique Russell, or Instagram at Clear Communication Coach. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.